All right, welcome back to the Out of Bounds podcast here on FingerLakes1.com. Josh Drusso, Nate Sharman, we are inside the FingerLakes1.com studio. Uh, we finally got some interesting live golf news related to world golf ranking points. I felt like a, a fool a couple weeks ago going on a rant in one of our more recent episodes about golf, uh, world golf ranking points and just how much work Liv was going to have to do if they wanted uh, to get them. And it seems like they tried to do the equivalent of like skipping the line at the amusement park. Yeah, they certainly tried. And isn't it crazy that we're opening another pod talking about the Live Tour? Every, it's, yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, it's not happening. necessarily a bad thing because it's by far the hottest topic in golf, right? That's a kind of encapsulated <laughs> golf all summer. Far and away. But if you haven't heard, Live Golf has now joined or joined is a relative term, but taken over more so <laughs> the Mina Golf Tour. What's the Mina, Go- what's the Mina Golf Tour, you may ask? As 99.9% of the population has asked that question, it's the Middle East, North of Africa Golf Tour. Just a, a tour that quite literally nobody knew about before. Today. Yeah, not too many people knew about it, but basically, for a long story short, it's, a, it's essentially a feeder tour for the DP World Tour right. kind, of, kind of thing. So uh, a couple days ago, Jenna Sims, Brooks Kepka's significant other, broke the news. Paul has it up there on the screen now. It sh- and she was able to take a picture of the whole group, and it's the, on the picture there it says, congratulations to these guys for, for gaining world golf ranking points this week. <laughs> so we have Jenna Sims breaking the news, which is hilarious in its own right for, for many reasons. But, I mean, it was looking like Greg Norman was think- looking like they're going to get points this week. Long story short of that is they're not, which we'll go into, we'll go into yeah. but yeah. they're on their pathway yeah. to getting OWGR points. Are they, though? Here's, so before we get into, uh, you have a pretty good breakdown of this whole situation in terms of explaining kind of what the nuts and bolts are, but um, thinking back to my rant from about a month ago now, uh, it all hinged on the live golf uh, association needing to uh, conform to the rules, not just like, okay, we're going to change the rules and then we'll be able to start getting points next week, but needing to do it for a full calendar year before they would be considered. Right. And obviously OWGR came back and said, well, wait a second, Right. not that fast. Um, so where is that part of it sitting at right now? Yeah, so they did the whole the whole news on it was either Tuesday or Wednesday or Tuesday into Wednesday anyway. And then Greg Norman comes out and says, see, we're gaining points this week. And the Crazy. panel at OWGR Crazy. comes out with a statement. Um, I think it was this morning they come out with this and they say, your plan essentially isn't a terrible plan. You know, it could work, but we can't give you points this week. <laughs> it's something we have to review and we have to go through. So no points will be awarded this week. I live Bangkok. Also, I believe they're playing an event in a couple more weeks, and they're hoping to get points in that event. They said no to that event, too. So it looks like they won't get points this year, but possibly next year, because it isn't a bad plan, in essence, because uh, this Minotaur does already have ranking points available. And it's interesting that you fall into that category on this one, right? I'm kind of, I'm a little bit surprised. Yeah, I mean, they, I mean that's, it was the only option. I mean, as you described a couple of episodes ago, they just don't have the parameters in their tour to gain points themselves so they kind of have to go this way and as we've talked about they have unlimited funds unlimited money this isn't a terrible route for them in my opinion it's just a little too quick so wild thought just off the top of my brain here um if live golf has unlimited resources and they want to be the bigger person the bigger organization and they want to do the right thing 
why don't they develop their own world golf ranking system that includes all of the golfers in the world? Um, I just don't, the majors wouldn't, I think the reason they want the points is so they can guys can get in the majors, you know, guys right. like Cam Smith will be able to play in a few majors, but you know, those guys like Patrick Reed who's really worried about it. He'll be able to play in the masters. But if he slips out of that top 50, I believe is the number he won't be able to play in yeah. those other three majors. So I think that's what they're really worried about. But that is a good point there you have with, if maybe they could just create their own and it would, but that it, does have some barriers to it. Yeah, and the funny thing is, is that's kind of where, and I think of, the, you know, the whether you want to call them the live bots or whether you want to just call the, the live golf proponents, uh, supporters on social media, um, they get really tied up in this idea that, you know, live is trying to be this like fair, equal arbiter of golf and to make the game better. They're looking out for themselves. They're looking out for their own interests, just yeah. like everyone else in this scenario is actually looking out for their own, their own interests. Right. So... You know, if they really were just thinking about, you know, let's create the most fair and equitable system for all professional golfers across the entire U.S., you have unlimited resources, come up with a system right. that can actually be inclusive to all people on tour. And hey, why not even include the mini tour guys? Right. Let's have a, a ranking of like literally the 300,000 best golfers on planet earth. Maybe you and I can even get in there. Yeah, really. Well, and not the way <laughs> I played last night. I don't think I'm getting on any, uh, ranking list, but same going into that too, is I think well, this is purely me speculating, but I would have to guess that back a couple months ago when Greg Norman was having meetings with these guys, with, with Patrick Reed, with these guys, he's prom in essence, promising them, OWGR points because I bet you that was every one of their their critiques of it. Well, if I don't gain OWGR points, I'm not going to play in the majors, and that's a worrisome to a lot of these bigger guys that have been playing in majors. You guys like guys like Bryson, guys like Patrick Reed, that maybe haven't won in a few years, but can still want to get that and cement a little bit of their legacy back. So I'm guessing Greg Norman kind of said, "Oh, we're going to get those. We're going to get those world ranking points." And then when they tried to and they filed for it and they said no. Uh, Greg Norman and the rest of the Live Association were just kind of like, well, we need to do something. And I think this is kind of the avenue they're going to. Yeah, I guess it's interesting to me because I just wonder, was the mentality from uh, Norman and Liv that they were going to basically bully OWGR into uh, into allowing their events to uh, get points? Or did they just think that everyone on the uh, the opposite side of the of the debate there would be like oh yeah this is just a great idea let's just give them points even though the i mean these are truly no matter what no matter how you feel about live and what it's doing for golf and whether it's entertaining or not has absolutely nothing to do with the fact that it it literally just is the furthest thing from PGA Tour, DP World Tour style competitive golf. It's literally an exhibition. There's no other way to, to frame it. And we've seen this all along. Greg Norman's just kind of flying by night in this, you know. He's kind of just saying things and, and not necessarily knowing if he's going to back that up in the intermediate. Similar with this OWGR situation. He's like, okay, we're either going to get it right the way we want it to or we're going to go buy the Mina Tour. You know, I bet you that was part of the plans, you know months ago if the first plan doesn't go in we're going to just buy a different tour that has prank ranking points already so he's just kind of flying and, and promising things if i had to, if i had to imagine then this is kind of how he's going to get things done yeah and going back to your point about you know this was probably part of the equation or the calculus for the guys uh the brysons the brooks the guys that 
have won majors, but haven't won majors very recently, or just have kind of been in the, the middle of the road. Um, part of me wonders how much they really care about majors or care about that component of it. Maybe it's a take it or leave it situation. Like, great if they can, like use, use a DJ as an example. Sure, he wants to play in majors if he can, but at his point in his career, having taken the payday that he took to go play live, do you think he's, if he's really going to lose sleep over whether he gets to play in majors or not? And same goes for Brooks, who had a super cavalier attitude toward most events in general on tour. You know, he kind of broke the mold on that side. Right. And Brooks or uh, uh, Bryson appears to be more of the, he's kind of the entertainer of this generation's, uh, cro- that generation's crop of really good golfers. So I just wonder, like, what do do they really care as much as I think the rest of golf does, or the rest of golf thinks they care about majors? I think they do. Like you said, maybe DJ doesn't. You know, at this point in his career, he's he's the older guys. I don't think the top of the mountain, right? Right. But guys like 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 I said, Patrick Reed, Brooks, Bryson. I think I still think there is that desire to win majors. It's interesting. It's a um, and there's no other way to get there without these points to be in the field. you know, those guys that I mentioned, especially Bryson and Patrick, they love being the villain. So they right. know if they can go to the, they go to one of those other majors, maybe not the Masters as much, they're going to get booed. And they may love that. You know, people are going to boo them like crazy, especially if it's like in a place like New York or something like that. Fans aren't going to take lightly that they, they dropped ship and went to live. Right. So when they come back into that soil, into that environment, you know, the other guys around them, the Justin Thomases, the Xanders, those guys, they aren't going to... Max Homa, they aren't going to love him either. They're not going to welcome back with open arms, but they're allowed to be there. So they'll be there and they'll play that villain card. And that's kind of frankly where they like being too. You know, they kind of like kind of flying like that. So I think they definitely want to play in the major, some of those guys. Yeah. And it also begs the question on what do you think about this? So if, if Liv is successful in playing the Mina card, we'll call it that. Mm-hmm. Um, and their events do start getting world it's called golf. Mina golf now. <laughs> we and they do start getting world golf ranking points. Does all of the rest of it just kind of disappear? All the rest of the debate is it gone at that point? Like there is no like they're just they're a type of tour event. Yeah. And at that point, would it be smarter for all parties involved, PGA Tour included, to try and harness that for commercial good or gain? through a Ryder Cup style event or something like that where you have live guys playing against uh, tour guys. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. That's something I hadn't thought about before. Um, you can kind of, I don't know if accept defeat or accept that you're never going to kind of win against these guys. So why not lean into it? You're, you're completely right. Well, you wage, at that point, you, you kind of turn it into a, like a, from a, a moral and fundamental uh, fight you turn it into like a commercial fight yeah and it's like okay like, we're just going to lean into this it's <laughs> going to be entertaining and whatever right um i i think there could be some i think there could be some legs there but i i again i don't know if the tour given where they've gone with this whole thing and how far they've carried it out you've got legal action between both sides yep. i don't know if live would be interested i don't sure. know if pga tour would be interested but it you know it would certainly be interesting take the six or eight best golfers from the PGA Tour and the six to eight best from live match them up. That would be that would be something to watch. That would be cool. Did you have a chance to see that's been floating around Twitter what the Mina Golf schedule will look like now that the Live Tours events in there? Oh, with the purses. Hysterical. 
Yeah, yeah, with the, it, it, yeah, it's the ultimate comedy. It is. It's literally like the main event, like 120 people, and the se- it's 75k purse. And then the next event, Live Golf Bangkok, 48 players, 20 million dollars. Okay, so <laughs> it's hilarious. So to make this a little more uh, believable. Couldn't live like throw a few more bucks at the Mina Golf events. I uh, know. Just to like, just to sell it because isn't that like you want to talk about not passing the sniff test? Like literally, anybody who's looking at that saying, "Oh, these two these two parties want to work together," they're going to look at the schedule. They're going to see the purses, and that's going to be the first thing that stands out. They're going to be like, "Wait, what? Right. What, what are you even doing here? Like yeah. throw yeah. throw a few million dollars at these fourteen like." Money doesn't matter to you, live. Right. So throw some some millions at these other events, so they at least on paper, at first glance, look similar. Right. So I'm sure there'll be some sort of obligation where these live guys have to play in these mean events. So you'll see the updated purses on those, I would think. Yeah. But so I was looking into it a little bit and just seeing some people joke around <laughs> on Twitter. The other events, so they're seven, like I said, seventy five thousand dollars purses, and they're fifty bucks to get in, which is oh, yeah. funny too. Yeah. So uh, someone was saying like, so Cam Smith goes to play in his first mean event. Are they going to make him shell out 50 out of his wallet? Or are they going to put him? Are they I just going to so. play? <laughs> I hope he's got to write a check right You think there. he's got to get another sponsor? Just like <laughs> 50 bucks. It's like you're going to play your Muni. You know, you're going to play a skins game. You've got to shell out 50 bucks cash <laughs> to play in this Vino event. It's, it's hilarious. I love all the discourse on Twitter. It's so funny. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I think the other interesting part there is just looking at the, the, medium term implication of that because i don't know what the qualification process is for players to get into to the mina tour but does that mean where you could have like pga tour players like crossing over dp world tour players if it's a feeder system for that saying oh i'm gonna go i'm gonna go qualify for a a mina tour event now (laughs) just to just to mess things up yeah i i I mean i mean then can the best mina players that are are they there can they get into a live event like they no, because live, live events are still exhibitions. But you, there like, is, shouldn't there be a pathway for your, the rest of your guys on the tour to get on the live tour? That's one of the Wouldn't reasons. So that was one of the reasons why, and I don't even think I mentioned it on that podcast when we talked about it, but that is literally one of the reasons why live cannot qualify for world golf ranking points right now is because there is no like qualification process a Monday qualifier. Monday right, qualifier yeah. is like the exact, there is no Monday qualifier for live. So no, the MENA guys cannot they're just kind of like they're placeholders and they aren't even getting a raise for it oh God. man that's that's something else yeah you watch uh, the live tour event this week in bangkok or the mina tour event this week mina tour event this weekend uh i think i'll be 50 50 on i'm trying to think of what i'm going to be doing this weekend you might weekend. be sleeping because it's in bangkok yeah there's 11 eight, 11 eastern start time zone time zone difference is a struggle for televised golf my main thing is this is the first event that's internationally played yep um, I'd love to get Paul's input on this too. What do you guys, we've had this talk about viewership numbers, right? Oh yeah. Yep. Well, I want to say what more or less than what they were in the States. Oh, less, way less. It's going to be nighttime here. But they might have the internet. They're going to have the international crowd though. Paul's going to be asleep. No. Yeah. It's, it's definitely less like F1 this weekend, for examples in Japan. I'm not staying up until 2 AM for that. And I, and I love motorsports. So no. It's you definitely going to be less. You have to be a special kind of dedicated golf fan in the United States if you are going to stay up to watch that tournament live instead of just catching the leaderboard the next morning when you wake up. But is there a lot of people you think that live internationally that weren't watching the events in the States because of the time difference? And do you think those people can somewhat con- 
or compensate for the people in America that aren't able to watch because of the time difference? Um, I'm sure there's the mm, number's not as big, but they. I don't think so. Takes uh, a, I would say a good chunk would kind of fall into either category. I don't think, and I could be wrong about this. I'm firing from the hip, but I don't think golf as a watched sport on television is as popular anywhere else in the world as it is in the United States. Hmm. I, I'm just a guess. Yeah. Another, could be wrong. Maybe another, in Asia, but. Well, actually, that was what I was going to bring up is I don't know what the laws are, for example, but if your only streaming property is YouTube, which is owned by Google, which is outlawed in certain countries that's, in that, that time that's zone. <laughs> that, yeah, that's tough. I'd argue that Asia is, Asia is pretty popular for golf, especially with what Hideki's done the last few years. Yeah, I, I would agree. Um, I, it'll be interesting. So if we're going to pick a number, like what, what, do you think, time? what do you think the daily number is? Well, so like the, the, most recent, was it? the most recent Sundays, the most recent finishing days, I think we're in like the 700,000 view range on YouTube. After the fact, that's mm -hmm. obviously day, given it four like, hours after. Yeah, given it a day to like yeah. kind of uh, the numbers to aggregate a bit there. Yeah. Um, I I would say it's got to be at least a third of that. At least I my guess mm. pff, maybe like two fifty or three hundred thousand. I think it gets closer to that five hundred number. Third round, we're talking final round. Yeah, twenty four hours after it airs or the last pods made. So, yeah, I would say, so you're going to say 500. Yeah. I'll say sub 300, Paul. I mean, it's tough because if something crazy happens, I mean, people just skip ahead and I mean, get to that final Dustin spot. Dustin Johnson's team is probably just going to win again. Right. They um, win every week. Like Dustin Johnson making an 80-footer? That's not crazy I enough I like, for Eagle? <laughs> I like Josh's number where he's at. Yeah. I'll just... I'll go lower, though. I just... It, put you it, in a tough spot, it, so... <laughs> well, no, it's just that Bangkok's it's a tough time zone. For especially the East Coast, yeah. You know, I mean, there's so no. It's I. I'll go lower. I, part of me feels like it's gonna go even lower. I, I'm thinking maybe 150. Oh man, oof, that's not that's not great. That's not great for them. Definitely I not. just I just chuckle. <laughs> uh, so we have PGA Tour golf this weekend that people will be able to watch like normal human beings during the day while yep. they're awake. Um, what are we What are we thinking about the Shriners coming up? Obviously, we had the Sanderson Farm Tour this past week. Um, good event, not, not one of your headliner events by any means, um, but a good event. Mackenzie Hughes got, got the win. Yeah, relatively fun event, especially in there's a playoff. Yep. He beat Sepp Straka in the final, or in the second playoff hole. Um, I guess my main question coming out of there, well, it's cool for Mackenzie Hughes. He hasn't won in six years to get a second win. Yeah. I think yeah. that's a pretty cool story in itself. But should, have McKen should Mackenzie Hughes have been on the international team? Mm. And I know this mm, is mm, something mm. we can argue either way, um, and it's, I don't think there's a right answer per se, but it's something that you can look at too, and it's pretty cool for McKenzie Hughes to go out and win the week after the President's Cup and say, well, maybe you should have took me. If you haven't won in six years, I feel like that answers the question, Yeah. right? Like, no matter how good you've been playing up to that point, um, there was probably just as much reason for you not to be picked as there was for you to be picked. And if that's the if that's the the math, then it's kind of a toss up. In which case, I say, eh, play better. Yeah, still, kudos to him though, going out a week Great after win. the tournament. Good, over. good to get that win, and who knows what that could mean for him? You know, Seb Straka is one of those guys that 
had a, a quality win or kind of in that like early to middle part of the year last year and it's a long way propelled propelled him into that spot where he was all of a sudden this name that you were hearing a little more often mm-hmm. um maybe this is uh mckenzie's chance to to break the ice again yep yeah and then we got the shriners hospital for children open this week tpc summerlin of vegas vegas out in vegas um so we'll Let's let's do some picks. Why not? We haven't done that in a couple episodes. Yeah, we haven't. Uh, so I haven't. Go first. I haven't picked a wrong golfer in a, about a month and a half. Uh, I'm gonna say Max Home is in the field. So how can you not pick him? Right. Agreed. So like not my pick, but I love the I love the idea. I mean, that's my pick. I think right now, as far as American golfers are concerned, um, he is the hottest golfer. I know Tom Kim's playing. Um, Sunjay M is playing, so there's there's other options as well on the American and international side. It's it's this is a, a better field. Cam Davis, mm-hmm. there's a guy everybody would like to see get a win. Yep, he's hung around a lot. Um, but yeah, I think that I think my gut says Max Homa. I don't know how long he can keep his hot streak going, or maybe if the President's Cup was sort of the end of his hot streak. But we'll see this right. week. Okay, I'll take Tom Kim then. Um, you take a look at the President's Cup. We did go two and three in that loss to the Americans, but he created so much positive energy and positive buzz throughout the um, tournament, and that was so much fun to watch. And for a guy that won on tour, has won on tour, as is a mainstay on tour now, and a guy like you mentioned in the last episode that the PJ Tour needs to intend on keeping. Oh yeah, I think oh, it'd yeah. be can't a, lose him. Would be an awesome story too for him to see him win, and I think it's very likely that we see Tom Kim come out with a victory. Here's a question because we, we as as modern golf fans, especially over the last two to three years, a lot of prisoner of the moment uh, discussion, Tom Kim gets a win either this week or sometime in the next couple months. Does he vault into, because his win came late in the season, relatively speaking, mm-hmm. um, does he vault into that discussion of like one of maybe the 10 best golfers uh playing right now despite the fact that he is so so green still in terms of experience on tour paul i see you have owgr up there what's tom kim are you still on that are you still on that list yeah i can get back to it in just a second okay well i, I was interested in that but i think definitely if he wants to get really good another win pretty recently yeah or pretty sh- shortly now i think he could vault into that in that area kind of like how max Homa did it you know right exactly yeah, and I, you know, like it's almost like world golf ranking kind of goes to the to the side. I don't know that that's necessarily the best um, barometer for judging who the best players are, right? Like that, because there tends to be some lag, mm-hmm. just in terms of when that actually, you know, if you told me he was going to be ranked in like the top five or ten by next June or July, I I'd believe it. Oh, for sure, hundred percent believe it. He could literally go win the Masters and. Nobody would say, "Oh, right. wow, that's a that's a surprise." Right? No, he's he's got the game. Yeah, I mean it's and he's a lot of fun too. You know, he was really being energetic with the crowd and kind of pumping him pumping him up too. So I thought that was really fun for the international team. Looks like a guy that's going to have some flair in that Presidents Cup. Yeah, you know, for oh, the next God, yeah. however many years that he's there and kind of being that being that spark. And I think it's gonna be it's really good for the national team to see Tom Kim kind of. I don't want to say rise out of nowhere because we didn't really see him much in the first half of the tour, first half of the tour season last year, and he kind of jumped out and was really prevalent in that second half, including the playoffs. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I'm searching something wrong, but Tom Kim does not currently have a rank. Oh, he must be under uh, his actual name. 
So Ju Young Kim. Yep. Ah. Um, so let's shift gears here, though. Um, we need to get into our uh, our amateur golf topic for the day. I like it. Fall golf. Fall golf. Yeah, let's. We, that's, we're here so, in the Northeast. It's a beautiful time to play. Everybody and you and I, I know for a fact, are going to have vastly different opinions on this because I know you're a big fan of fall golf. You get the leaves changing. You get usually it dries up a little bit. You get some more moderate temperatures, that kind of thing. But I don't like it. Not here for it. No. I know. I know everybody. I know a lot of, uh, especially up here in the Northeast, a lot of folks love it, but. It's so short. It is very It's short. so short. And, you know, I think about the weather we've had here for the last, I don't know, the last eh, two and a half, three weeks. It's for every good day we have, we have like three to five days of bad weather. So mm -hmm. unless you're only golfing once a week and you can, you know, turn your schedule on a dime, playing golf in the fall, sometimes a little inconsistent. It's very unpredictable, yes. But some of those days, you know, you get like a, even if it's in the 60s and you get the sun out, it's it's beautiful to be out there. And one of the reasons I like it the most is it's very, um, the term I'm looking for, but there's, there's not a lot of like S or uh, not a lot of, I can't think of the word right now, but you're not really worried about how you play as much. You know, you can right. kind of play not, you can play a little bit more free. You know, you're not grinding for a score per se because you're playing in October and, and you know, the ball doesn't oh, travel as far. Yeah. Sometimes you're playing on aerated greens, which is a big oh, yeah. kind of hampered yeah. to things. So you can just kind of go out there and whether you're, you're stressed at work or at home or anywhere, and you can kind of just go out there and, and enjoy it. Maybe take a walk, especially on some of those nice days. Like you said, it's a little drier out and the walking can be a good time to do in the fall. And it's just kind of stress, more stress relieving because the leaves, like you said, the leaves are changing and it's just pretty out. Yeah, and I think the other if there's if there is a a bigger benefit to it, it's that golf courses tend to really clear out after uh, Labor Day. Oh yeah, less we'll busy. You're you're more you're not competing with leagues if you're walking out onto public golf courses. You're not competing with that sort of thing. Um, not obviously just not as much play. So easier to get out, more relaxing, a little less of a burden to try and organize. Discounted rates um, too. Discounted rates. Gotta love that. Um, yeah, I, it, there, there are benefits to fall golf, but unfortunately it's like the, the people in general, I, I am a, I'm not the biggest supporter of spring and fall because in upstate New York, especially in the last 10 years, spring and fall are two very short seasons. Yeah. Fall's a lot better than spring up here, in my opinion. Uh, yeah. You yes. get a ton of rain in the spring, not as much in the fall. You can't, it can, and it will possibly at some points, but it's, it can't be too bad, but. After you saying that, let's go play some fall golf tomorrow, Wayne Hills. Yeah, let's How's do that. How's that sound? That does sound good. <laughs> now, here's an interesting question on that side. Are there golf courses that you aim for or like to play or only play in the fall versus the places where you're playing throughout the summer? Like a golf course, in my mind, a golf course that fits that category is Reservoir Creek uh, down in Naples here in upstate New York. I never play it during the summer. I never play it during the spring because it's typically too wet. Um, but in the fall, down in the hills, around Naples, um, it's gorgeous. It, oh, it, it sure fits, is. It fits what fall golf is supposed to be in upstate New York uh, or just in the Northeast in general. 
Um, but I don't really play. I don't really have any urge to play there any other time of year. Right. Even though it is, it's a course. It's a track that I like and a layout that I like. Let's go play there. That's that's a really good point. It's just it's like you took the words it's around situated the mouth. It's in gorgeous. the hills. It's gorgeous. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. So another amateur golf topic that we needed to get into that we wanted to get into um, handicaps or counting really like religiously counting your score to, to figure out where you where you lay in the the golf landscape. Um, at what point do you think the average golfer starts to care about their handicap? I think when you can consistently keep it under 100. You're consistently playing golf the right way and you're, and you're getting it under 100. You know, you can have a score at, you know, in that 95 range yep. when you can start posting those scores and it almost becomes like a game, you know. I want to get my handicap down, you know. Right. It's it's like fun to kind of go out there and say, "Oh, I want to put a good round together." And whether that's handicap or even just using a different you know, free app on, on most phones, you can kind of get your differential too. Oh yeah. And yeah. you can kind of play that game of, well, you can see your progress. Like, I think I'm getting better, but I'm not sure. But by posting those scores, you can kind of put them all in one place and be able to kind of see if you're marking fairways and greens too, you can kind of see where you are and where you can cut down some strokes. So I think once you get under hundred is kind of my threshold for posting. Yeah. I'd have to, I would have to agree with that. I think, um, I think in certain golf circles, there is this assumption that people who shoot higher numbers than that care or are interested in what their handicap is. Mm. Um, but I think at the end of the day, those folks are just out there having fun and yes. just out there playing with their buddies. And it also, I think there's a component of it that maybe isn't so much score driven and frequency uh, that they're playing. So maybe you start out um, and you're playing once a month with a few buddies meeting up on a Saturday, drinking some beer and playing golf. Um, and then all of a sudden you shift to maybe playing once a week, or maybe you're even playing more than once a week. Um, I think that would be when, even if you're not necessarily hitting that number that you're talking about, I think you may start to care what your handicap is. Right. Um, but I, I think the hundred number is a, is a good one, but I also think that, you know, it might, I, there are probably some 100 to 110 golfers who care what their handicap yes. is. Consistently see, like you said, yeah. it's a huge portion. It's kind of like once you, <laughs> once you can actually finish a round of golf fully without having to take any kind of like right. odd provisions so that you're, you're able to get through the round, like, you know, pulling it out of the weeds and not taking a penalty stroke or whatever the case may be, like pulling it out of hazards, not counting hazard strokes, that sort of thing. Like, once you get to a point where you're more consistently just getting finishing holes and finishing your rounds of golf, maybe that's when you start to care about that sort of thing. Yeah, that's a good point. And I think, I think it's way too much work also, by the right. way. It like is and posting it isn't. your scores is so much work. It is and it isn't though, because I think if you can kind of come to a spot where maybe you're not necessarily, you know, tracking fairways or tracking greens, which I think can be a good idea though, because you kind of can, by doing that, you can kind of really like, at the end of the day, reflect on your round. You could take a look at your round and say, oh, I really messed up doing 60-yard shots, but I was good from 150. You know, those are pretty solid shots and kind of managing your expectations yep. that way and being able to kind of build off that. So next time you go to the range, next time you go to the putting green, you can kind of think about those situations that you were in and by kind of tracking your round, you kind of remember better where those situations were and you can kind of work on yourself as a better golfer instead of just blindly hitting balls to the range. You can kind of think about that situation you're in and the shot you needed to hit versus a shot you did hit. Yeah, that's. I, I think that's the maturation of the of the golfer, mm -hmm. and 
really like that is especially over the last two years i think we've seen a lot more uh a lot more casual golfers make that turn definitely make turn that corner because it's just i mean but at the end of the day you just gotta you gotta have fun that's really the only that's the main that is literally you go it. through it and you can track your your putts and your fairways hit and your greens hit and regulation but at the end of the day make sure there's a smile on your face coming off that 18th green because that's why we're all here at the end of the day whether you shoot par whether you shoot 120 that's why we're all here because we like to play and none of us are getting paid nope none of us are getting paid to play golf no calls on the minotaur yet <sighs> yet maybe next week hey that's going to do it for this week's episode uh drop us a line or question at out of bounds at fingerlakes1.com you can also follow us on twitter instagram and tiktok links are in the show notes for nate Sharman. i'm josh durso and remember whether it's down the middle or out of bounds keep on swinging